This is Raspberry Lemonade, the Arnold Palmer of podcasts, a refreshing dive into the stories of industry professionals, both sweet and sour. And now your host, Mr. Levi. Welcome back to Raspberry Lemonade. It's been a minute. Today we have a very special guest, my friend Alondra Ramirez. How are you doing today? Hello, everyone. I'm doing good. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> As always. Good, good. You're mentioning before we uh, started that you're a little nervous. I am too. <laughs> but that's okay. This is why we're doing this, right? We got to work through our, our nerves and our fears and all that stuff. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you do. And yeah, we'll start there. Okay. So I work in the medical field. I'm a certified nurse assistant a travel CNA, and a medical interpreter with the focus of Spanish to English. Sounds exciting. Yes. You're super busy all the time. <laughs> you know? uh, how, how do you... I, I honestly, my biggest thing going into this interview, I want to I know how you go about scheduling your days. Because every time I see your story or you know something you post, it's like you're here, you're there, you're doing this, you're doing that, which is great. I'm happy for you, but I'm like, how does she do it? Uh, for the most part, I think it has to do with um, always having um, a guidance when I was early on in school. Um, when I started doing nursing, a lot of times they teach you time management. And then after I started doing CNA work, I had to be able to manage so many patients and it's just me and try to get them all ready, all changed. So learning time management skills, organizing yourself. Sometimes I am, I honestly, I think I have to work on that, but I'm always late, <laughs> but I get there. <laughs> you got here early today, so yeah, you, you had me fooled. <laughs> yeah, we're working on that, but I always get there. I always try to spend time with my friends and family. Um, what helps me is that um, the day has 24 hours and I try to do as much as I can within 16 hours. I do have to um, try to force myself to rest. That's something that it's been really hard. I think I have undiagnosed ADHD, but that's another story. <laughs> Don't sure. we all at this point, honestly, like even a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I also um, my mom. Since I was very young, she was very active, um, volunteering with her faith, and she would always have to bring us along. So we knew right after we got home from school, we had to do homework in order for us to be able to do something else, an activity. And we knew Thursdays was minimum day, so it was either going to um, El Dorado Park or to the beach. So we had to do our homework. So those little skills, the way your, your parents upbring you, makes a big difference on the way you start learning these skills early on gotcha dang so that means that my parents didn't have very good time management skills no i'm just kidding <laughs> uh, or i just never learned right <laughs> yeah. but okay now uh tell us more a little more about you know working in the medical field because you know some people i've talked to a lot of people um mostly during lift rides younger you know kids mm -hmm. and good majority of them say that they want to go into the medical field be like a some sort of you know, either a cna lvn a registered nurse or something to do with the medical field like a medical assistant 
but they all kind of say the same thing because of like it's better pay was that the case with you or what motivated you to follow this path you know that's something i always discuss with my coworkers because a lot of it does pay off um as you continue working in the field um you do see the benefits but you also have to be realistic that you are going to be across a lot of stressors. You're going to deal with people at their most vulnerable states when they just want things to get better and they're not necessarily going to be in their full senses. So you have to have a lot of skills and qualities in yourself in order to be able to complete the task and not feel their emotions come upon you. And so for me, I feel it's always been a passion. Uh, I have always wanted to show compassion and love for others. And not necessarily the money. It would be nice if I would get paid for what I'm worth. But as a CNA, I don't get paid enough. And that's the situation really? that the government's been fitting off for a long time. We get so many patients and a limited of time sometimes i think the most patients i've had is 33 patients and i was so young when i started i started in 2017 i was like a 19 20 year old baby and i'm taking <laughs> care of someone's grandma who mm. is like sometimes twice my size so it's a huge difference and you have to realize that okay you have the these patients you have only this amount of time and then you still have to change them, feed them, because the CNAs do all the dirty work. You change them, their briefs, their adult briefs. So it's not like little baby changes. Right. It's right. huge changes. Um, you have to be there and see all their symptoms, their secondary symptoms from medication. And you just have to alert the nurses because you're the nurse's eyes since they have more patients. And... It's a lot of things you have to manage in a short amount of period of time. So for the money's worth, I don't think it's worth being a CNA, maybe a nurse in the future. But if you focus on the money, you're going to hate your job and the way you treat your patients is going to reflect upon it. Wow, that's very insightful. And anyone out there listening that has been thinking about going into the medical field, keep that in mind. And I'm sure you'll agree with me at the end of the day, no matter what career path you decide to take on, and you'll hear this a lot, especially businessmen that have been doing it for a while, if you do it for the money at the end of the day, you're going to notice that it wasn't worth going doing it for the money. Well, so whatever it is. So it sounds like you agree with that. Yes, I, I agree. Yeah. If you do it for the money, I feel the patients will notice the way you begin to treat them as just um. Yeah, just the bank and sadly i've i think this is part of like a sad story and situations that we do see of like the healthcare where it's weak um a lot of times um, um patients are used as insurance um coverage so okay how so had, let me explain <laughs> like um yeah it confused me there for yeah, a second yeah. <laughs> so um for nursing homes, in order for them to be able to stay stable, they need to have an income. And each patient, there's patients that have good insurance, and then there's patients that don't have good good insurance. Mm. And the ones that have good insurance usually have more of their stay and care provided. And the ones that don't really have good insurance, you can tell the difference of how some of the supervisors or the main people treat them. 
Uh, okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Oh, well, that's that's not very good, is it? Mm-mm. But it's, it's unfortunate, but it's, it's the reality, it's right? It's the reality. I see. Okay. Thank you for telling us a little more of, you know, what it's like to be in that field and what people can expect, you know, if they do decide to go through uh, following this career path. You mentioned that you also do medical interpreting. Tell us a little more about that. So I was doing CNA for a while. And then during the pandemic, at the peak of the pandemic, I began to work more nights and sleeping less. But I was short stuff is always going to happen, sadly, in the medical field. And so I was working one night at four in the morning. I ended up injured. And then I was at home. I didn't have an income. And someone was nice enough to offer me this opportunity. And I was, like, hesitant. And then at the beginning, I said, you know, let me just go for it. Because they told me, my mentor, he said, you know, it's only five, ten minutes. You interpret for your family. You've been translating your whole life. It's okay. And it's, it's pretty much true. Like, every time my mom or someone else would go to the hospital, I'm, like, the front one there next to them at bedside trying to help them out. My grandmother, I was part of her entire care. So I said, you know, I got this. And they said it was only five minutes. So my first appointment as a medical interpreter without my certification my medical background had helped me. I ended up at a psych appointment for four hours. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, you should have known. You should have known. That Those psych appointments take a while. I mean, I left that appointment thinking about my own life, but you know, I still, <laughs> I still conquered it. <laughs> yeah. So then I said, you know what? I can do this. I, I was able to do that. So then I started pushing myself and, seeing my own potential and from there on I continued doing interpreting and then after it just life goes I'm doing it full-time now that's amazing yeah. would you say that's kind of like your your main source of income nowadays then the medical interpreting as opposed to the nursing yes it's okay. my main source of income I feel I have less of a stressor it's mm. more laid back in the sense that I am myself like, I'm, a, I'm my own boss, pretty much. I'm a boss woman. But I'm my own boss, so I don't have someone... That's the PG <laughs> version. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So I don't have someone um, telling me, come in, or pressuring me. And I do work as a CNA two or three nights a week just to maintain my license and mm -hmm. still support these patients who are sometimes sadly neglected by family because I still love nursing. That's always going to be my passion and still is because I'm still pursuing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right on. Okay. Well, let's dig into a little more uh, of your background as far as your upbringing. You mentioned, you know, growing up and your mom uh, having you guys tag along uh, with activities through, of her faith. And you mentioned also how that also helped you grow your time management uh, skills from a very early age so what was little alondra like or what was you know what was it like to grow up as you what um, do you remember well what i remember is that oh i have too many memories but <laughs> <laughs> i'm hoping most of them good yeah for the most part yes um so i was born in huntington park and raised in bellflower 
And growing up in Bellflower, I ended up going to Mokler. That was my my first um, elementary school. Then I moved to Collins. And in Collins, I was still figuring myself out. But I've always had that like sense of like curiosity of, okay, it's not just this for me. Like I, I feel like I've always had talents, hidden talents, or I've always tried to do more without even myself noticing I wanted to do more for myself. If I if I explains well, do you understand me? I, I think yeah. So what the what what I understood was you were going to school and kind of doing what all the students were doing, but at the same time you saw opportunities to do other things that maybe not the average Joe was doing, right? Yes, yes. Okay. So when I was in my Mokler Elementary School, I refused to talk English. And I'm born what? here in the United States. <laughs> and so I refused to talk English. I just didn't like it. So then I talked Spanish all the way through second grade that they thought I was an immigrant. I even ended up in the principal's office. My mom had a whole screaming speech from my principal <laughs> <laughs> telling her not to teach me any more Spanish. And it wasn't that I didn't know English. I just refused to talk English. Why is that? I think it was just like me trying to still like get closer to my mom. But I, I don't know. It, it's just something interesting. I, I've always loved Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I think more in Spanish now than I think in English. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. You got me thinking now. Do I think in Spanish or English more? Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. But uh, go on. What, what were some things that, you know, you said you were saw opportunities to do other things that maybe not everyone else was doing or hidden talents did you discover some during those years so when i moved to collins in my elementary um my second elementary school i was eight years old i started off there in third grade um i remember having a teacher who would love to travel and that was like my initiative Mm. to traveling she would bring so many treasures so then I started doing good in school and getting good grades because I wanted these prizes from around the world. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so I had like um, Egyptian, like um, hieroglyphics on Piper's. That's that yeah. what it's called? Yeah, yeah. So I still have that and I treasure it so much. And That's really cool. so many things she would send us, postcards. And from there on, my next grade was like fourth, fifth. But in fifth grade, there is this young student that was coming from Guatemala who did not talk English and I ended up becoming his translator in class. That's lit. Okay, so you've had this translator thing going on for a while. Exactly. And not it was never my goal. It just uh-huh. came by. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Okay. And then could we dive a little bit into how uh, maybe, you know, faith and religion played into your upbringing? Yeah, so for a while, my mom has always been active um, with her faith, and her values have always taught us to do what's good and what's bad. But when we think of our values, it's just, it's different than anyone else in school, because your mindset isn't the same as others. That was something that I felt for a little bit was like reframing me from being, or I believed. Um, it was reframing me from being the utmost of myself because I said I still have to do so much volunteer work and 
and this is my part of my life but then I still want to do the mm. successful life and you know I don't know if it's like also my culture I'm Mexican I'm a woman it makes a big difference um, women are seen as like stay at home get married um, why do you want a career so when you explain all these um, ideas and goals you have you will have like 50% support you and then 50% say you know what rely on God like maybe you're not doing good because you don't got faith in God mm. and after a while I, I realized that you know my faith in God is is a part of me and it will always be a part of me so yeah I learned how to be able to navigate with my faith and still be successful in my career and my academic life because in different scenarios where I'm exposed with different religions, I have to be neutral. And in certain occasions, I also have to realize, um, like, for example, at the end of life, I have hope that in the future, these people I'll be able to see. And being able to share with them good news in their most saddest um, parts of life is something a lot of people don't really know about. Mm. So I, I, I have my faith really strong, but I respect everybody's ideas as well. Yeah, to each their own, right? And I, I can resonate with what you just said because, yeah, I, I think maybe a, a big part of it is could be culture, uh, could be these ideals that, that you know, we are instilled with uh, could be also maybe our either our parents or p older people, you know, that we look up to that we're surrounded by their negative emotions towards, you know, f trying to be successful in a career or their, what's the word? <laughs> they project their insecurities onto someone who's trying to do something different, mm -hmm. which different isn't necessarily bad, right? Yeah. So how, or what would you say to someone who is in that position, who is trying to, first of all, even make that decision of making the leap to, to try something like what you're doing mm -hmm. or many others are, are, are doing? Yeah, what, what would you say to someone in that situation? To create their own support system. So I know I wouldn't have been where I'm at right now or I won't be where I'm, I choose to fulfill my goals in the future unless I had my support system. My parents at the beginning not necessarily understood my goals, but once I explained to them and included them in my goals, even if sometimes they may not agree, they eventually understood the process. And then I had to also realize that we're in a different generation. And I was born here in the United States. I am first generation. I have to pave the way for myself. Mm -hmm. And they were born in Mexico, and it's a different lifestyle. They had to sacrifice and leave everything behind. When my grandmother passed recently, my aunts were sharing stories that I I don't even know what life would have been if I would have grown up in Mexico. 
how they had to cross through the cerro or like they had to wait for the coyote like all these stories i mean they're legal now okay guys but like <laughs> mira don't come after them okay yeah they have their their, their paperwork <laughs> yes yeah but like hearing all these stories it just fascinates me i've always um i've i've always loved hearing all these sacrifices because it makes you realize their upbringing was really different and for someone that's trying well going through this um I I don't recommend to argue with anyone. Just <laughs> fulfill your goals, and if it's really something, as long as you're not doing something incorrect or killing someone or um, sinning really really bad, but like as long as you're trying to fulfill a goal that will help you in the future, then go for it. You really have to build a lot of confidence in yourself. There was mm. so many times I doubted myself. I would cry, and then I would hear that negative comment from the person you most love to not keep going and i think that stings but then you have to tell yourself you know what later they'll understand and if they don't understand they weren't part of your life so it's okay mm. you know? wow yeah that's a good takeaway right there for anybody in yeah <laughs> anybody listening out there that is going through that or feels that maybe they don't have the support that they were hoping for or that they were hoping to have mm-hmm. There's a laundry, you know, she's, she's pushed through and you mentioned a very important thing. I think creating that support system, sometimes you have to look outside of your immediate circle. Maybe you got to create a different circle. You know, you have a circle of friends for this, you have a circle of acquaintance for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day, yeah, if you feel more like if you know that you have to do something, and if you don't go for it, you're going to regret it. You got to do it. You got to at least give it a shot. Yeah. And your family, they love you so much. They don't necessarily always want to be negative. They just love you so much. They don't want to see you fail or suffer. That's it. So then when you understand that, you're like, okay, you know what? If they don't want to see me fail, then you know what? Let me try harder because I don't want, I don't want to fail either. Right. So, yeah, so you push yourself. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah. And no, thank you for sharing that. Um, what would you say has been one of the not so great things about uh, i mean we haven't really touched on like the entrepreneur side of things because you have also had some some uh, business ventures yes uh, let's touch a little bit about that what are some things that you've done or are still doing <laughs> so i do sometimes um my dad's a wholesale wholesale guy i think that's what it's called um vende y yeah so he sells like a lot of things and it's not necessarily the same thing so i've always done that so i used to actually sell at a swap meet and like like a reseller uh yes like a reseller but he does mayorista so like oh my god yeah wholesale so in bulk yes yeah and so i used to sell at a swap meet and i remember we would have to wake up really really early and set up and everything <laughs> and i had mugre everywhere but it was so much fun because we got a lot there's or something like nearby <laughs> we knew we had food that was your payment yeah so my dad introduced me to sales and my dad's always been a- around people um from different cultures and i remember there was this chinese lady who was from china obviously but like she was here on her own 
and she just didn't have friends. So she would come to our house. And then I had Chinese cuisines Ooh. at my house. I learned how to make dumplings and for like a lot of different, um, yeah, cooking skills from the, the cuisine of the Chinese. That is really cool. I did not know that about you. Yeah. So it was like something really interesting. My dad always made us like talk, <laughs> you know, let's keep the family together. So it made us like try to like communicate with others. And eventually I started developing those speaking skills and getting along with others. And for him, it was like a business of friendship. Mm. So I benefited him. Yeah. Yeah. So then from there. Every time I had the opportunity, I said, you know, I can sell this. I can resell this. So sometimes I do sell my clothes. Sometimes I just donate them. Um, I sell Starbucks cups once in a while. It doesn't really um, go well, but it's not something that I want to focus on either. Um, those Starbucks limited edition cups are really hard to find sometimes. Yeah, and, I hear you. And yeah, I want to keep all my fingers because I don't want to be in a fire or anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's really scary getting a cup. Um, I have, did also start a makeup and, and hair business with my sister, and we recently decided to continue it at least part time. And it, on Instagram, it's called Just Winged Gorgeous. We started that. That'll, the, that'll be in the in the description. <laughs> yes, yes. So at the end, hopefully. Um, so we started that, I think it was in 2017, 18. We did it about three to four years. And then I stopped. I stopped doing it. And that's something I wish I would have learned early because I let others' judgment get to me. Mm, back to that point, yeah. Yeah, so... That, that was like the main reason. That was the main reason we decided to stop. I couldn't deal with the pressure anymore. I said, you know, I would get complaints of maybe you should lower your price and they didn't want to pay the full price. And now I realize that, you know, this is your work and your value. If you feel like that's worth the money you're trying to sell it for, you're going to have to try to like be reasonable. But not everybody understands you have to wake up early, all the backs right. of entrepreneurship. Yeah. So now that's why I decided to stay uh, part-time. But I do wish to continue it and have more of a boundary in that sense, respectfully. But I'm understanding that our work has a lot of value as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like respectfully, you can't afford me. So just... <laughs> just <laughs> oh, <kidding. God. laughs> You talked about the importance <laughs> of confidence earlier. Yeah. <laughs> so my parents, uh, indirectly, they've always supported my crazy ideas. So um, <laughs> my mom, I told her I needed to do volunteer hours. And I always wanted to do medical fields. When I was like five, I said veterinarian. But then I changed for some reason. And then I was like, okay, nurse, nurse, that's what I'm going to do. And so then... In high school, they were saying, oh, like, it was a rumor that we had to do volunteer hours. So I told my mom, and I was 15, and she had a friend who owns a hairstyling beauty salon here in Bellflower. She quickly told her, my daughter can work for you in the summer. And I was there for two summers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so then I learned. Internship. <laughs> yeah, I learned how to do a lot of things. That's cool. It, it was crazy. And then she told me, you know, if you learn how to do makeup, if, maybe I can offer you a little spot here. So then I started watching 
videos on YouTube with Jacqueline Hill, um, Carly Bible, like a lot of different um, influencers that were starting up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And later on, that's when she told me, hey, look, I was like young. She's like, you work in a beauty salon and basically we are doing people's hair. And if you want to be presentable, start like getting ready. So then I started doing my hair. I'm like, oh my God, it feels forced. But now I like it. <laughs> yeah, gotcha, gotcha. So that's how that started going. And then eventually I would practice on my sister. She was my guinea pig. And then she would practice on me. Shout out to your sister. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Real one. Nice. All right. What do you say we go now to the part of the interview where we share or you share rather? A not so great story, whether that's in the medical field or your entrepreneur journey. The sour story. Okay, so this story is very traumatic. And I think a lot of people don't really know what I was going through during this time period. But I was like, theoretically, I mean, we're going to get legal. I was hold hostage against my will. What? Yeah. But I used to work at a nursing home. I didn't have a lot of experience. And I feel that's like the dark side of the medical field. I was a baby. Um, Basically, I remember that there was a patient that things weren't going well. And I reported to the nurse at the time that was in charge of the patient. I was short staff. I had so many patients. I didn't even know where my partner was. It was horrible. And... Yeah, the patient ended up in the emergency room. And I just remember, I, I found out later on that the patient's family placed a lawsuit against the nursing home. Really? And I was so scared for my license because in school, they teach us that if you don't report it, you could go to jail. If you abuse the patient, you're going to go to jail. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> so, that reminds me of that. I don't know if you've seen it. I don't know. I think it's an SNL skit. And it's like, you fry a fish, to jail. You do this, to jail. And believe it or not, to jail. So they were basically just scaring you guys that anything wrong you did, you would go to jail. Yeah, because you're dealing with people's life. Yeah. Okay, I guess that kind of makes sense. But Yeah, so it's like, they would tell us that if you don't get 100%, you killed one person. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> so it's a little dramatic. But no pressure. Right? <laughs> so, so, okay, but help me understand. You said you were held technically held hostage like theoretically yes so like um, so basically i've decided to write a statement of what had happened and i didn't really understand like okay a lot of things because i was still learning it was my first year as a nurse assistant i was still figuring things out i was still learning the legal of healthcare. That's something that i didn't mm. know i had to really put in my mindset and so then I wrote a statement. Um, usually when something happens, you have to report it and write the statement the day of. I wrote it really late, um, three weeks, almost a month after. Oh, wow. Because I found out the family had placed the lawsuit. And I said, did the patient die? Like, I, I until this day, I don't know what really happened or did they settle. I don't know. But I placed the, um, the statement and I turned it into the director of nursing at the time. And when I turned it in, I made little copies. Um, I had uh, several charge nurses help me out make the statement. And they really guided me on what to write. And that's how I learned how to chart more and document properly. And so then when I turned that in, instead of the 
director of nursing being comprehensive that I was young and trying to understand things, they took it as let's cover this up. Ooh. And so then I had repercussions because of it. The only coworker that was working with me at the time was fired for some wow. dumb mysterious reason. reason. Yeah, dumb little reason. And I was they were trying to fire me for using my phone. They couldn't find wow. one thing. They went through my documentation. They went through everything. They asked patients to try to get me fired, but they didn't find anything to legally fire me. Mm-hmm. And the charge nurse at the time was just harassing me. And it was becoming such a stressful environment. I began failing my classes that semester because I couldn't deal with the stress at work. And so then I decided to just like pass what I could. And I remember I got a C in anatomy and that hurt me so much because Uh. science is like big for me. And so then after uh, the, the other charge nurse that was chill with me ended up getting fired as well. Wow. So they were just covering every little thing. Yeah. That's interesting. Sounds like a mafia, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> but you're okay now. Yeah, I'm okay. So then I decided I needed to find a way to get out because I didn't want to work in that location anymore. It was becoming like it's something very, very stressful to the point that I couldn't sleep. I felt like they were watching me at home when they weren't. But yeah, you I always felt young. like you had to watch her back. Yeah, mm-hmm. for a year. I was oh like that. Oh, my goodness. So then I tried to apply to another nursing home. And when I applied to another no- nursing home, the director talked to me and told me that when they called the nursing home I was working at to ask references, illegally they said that I was a bad worker and they just said so many bad things when and now i know it's illegal you can't do that Mm. but at the time i didn't know so because of that they didn't hire me at this new location and i felt trapped because that's how i said theoretically i was held hostage i couldn't leave because i didn't have other another job opportunity yeah Yeah. dang so i moved to night shift and that's when i met the crew of night shift and it's always (laughs) been chill at night because you don't have to deal with supervisors micromanaging you more than they should i see yeah dang that's quite the story yeah i survived the i I, thankfully a nurse um called me and i had a interview and that's where i'm at now and it's worked out so well and i turned in my resignation made little copies and they were so (laughs) shocked that i was leaving but you know what i survived yeah Yeah, good for you (laughs) it's all good yeah yeah that's really good Oh, man, I don't know what I would do in those situations, but all right. I'm glad things are better now. Yeah. What do you say we move on to the positive side of things? What's been a very rewarding story, top of the world type of story, a sweet story that you can share? Yeah, I Okay, so I went, when I think of something positive, it's really hard to say because there's so many rewarding parts of the medical field but at the same time you have to think about your patients so my patients have been the most rewarding part of my my career seeing their joy seeing that even though they're at their most vulnerable state you made a change in their life 
I do take care of a lot of elderly people. And even though I can't have a superpower and I can't stop their illness, I can make them feel better that day. I can show compassion. And for some reason, at least I feel at peace that if they do pass away, they'll pass away peacefully without having any sense of guilt, anger, or resentment against the family member that didn't visit them because they can adopt me as their daughter or someone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. That melts my heart. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. See, I think you're in the right career. Mm -hmm. I think you're in the right place. I think... I think you should be happy that you found this, you know. Uh, A lot of people go through life just kind of sticking to whatever career, whatever they decided early on, but maybe it wasn't what they were meant to do. Yeah. You know, so good for you. And I'm sure, I mean, who knows, down the line, maybe you end up doing something uh, more on the entrepreneur side because you kind of have that. It sounds like you have that bug in you through (laughs) through your dad, right? Yeah, I think it's, it's... okay so i've read something and it says that the oldest because i am the oldest is like similar to the dad but i mean i don't want to be that similar to my dad but i'll take the competitive side like the entrepreneur (laughs) side of it (laughs) so yeah maybe maybe i'm like my dad yeah but in the medical field if you do things correctly there is a lot of opportunities maybe i can use it to start my own clinic or um create a book and There's a lot of experiences that I could share of things that I've seen. Good ones, though. Good stories. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You got to put a little, a few bad ones in there, though, (laughs) to keep it interesting. I'm just kidding. But all right. Last question of the show. Mm -hmm. I like to finish on a high note, musical high note, if you will. If you had to choose your current live soundtrack, what song would that be? I would probably choose Paquito del Barrio, Rata oh. Imunda. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I said a high note. <laughs> oh. Keep it positive. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe um, Island in the Sun by Weezer. Okay. Yeah. That's a really good song. And I really like that song. Um, yes, because it was in Aquamarine, and I always loved that movie, and I love mermaids and La Sirenita, like it all goes on hand. But I think it's like a very calm, positive vibe song. So yeah. even though I'm having a bad day, that song really does calm me, and it makes me feel like okay, let's forget about all these worries and look at the golden theme. Very cool. All right, I'm gonna listen to that after the show. Yeah, good song. Very good song. All right. Last, well, I guess that was the last question, but last order of business before saying goodbye to everyone that's joined us. Where can people find you if they want to follow your journey? So my personal um, Instagram, they can find me at La Sirenita 1996. There's a dot between those two, so just make sure you find the right one. But I know it's the only one. (laughs) And if they want to follow my makeup and hair page, they can follow at Just Winger Gorgeous. But if they also want to contact me in regards to medical interpreting, how to be a travel CNA, or how to go into the nursing field, they can always email me directly. I am more than welcome to help people out. There is room for everyone to be able to fulfill this career as well. 
All right. And my email is. Ramirez. I was like, yeah, so where are they going to email you? <laughs> yeah. Ramirez5774 at gmail.com. Cool. We'll have all that in the description. Also, please make sure to continue supporting the show as you've been doing so far. Uh, whether you're listening, watching today's episode, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Alondra, for joining us. Thank you. And if out there again, thank you so much for liking, sharing, commenting. And also, if you are interested in growing your social media or learning a little more about how you could do that, please contact at really short videos. We'd be more than happy to talk to you and help you with that. And once again, thank you for joining us. This has been another episode of Raspberry Lemonade. Signing off. Take care. Have a great one. Ciao. <laughs> this has been a Red Bird Studio Productions. Hope you've enjoyed the program.